welcome to Pro's Tinted Glasses. Just an incredible start. I yes. was counting down from five and I skipped three. I knew what happened though, so I was just rolling with it. <laughs> In case you need a reminder, I'm Bailey. And I'm Katie. Uh, and we're back because we got inspired. Yeah, I'm so happy that we did. I've been searching for inspiration, but it just hasn't hit in these so many months. I'm not even going to do the math. It's just going to depress me. Yep, I actively chose to ignore it as well. Perfect, perfect. Love that we're always on the same page. Yes. But yeah, we, uh, as usual, we're scrolling TikTok and inspiration did finally strike. And we were like, hey, we've got to come back. Mm -hmm. The world needs to hear our opinions on fourth wing yes because there have not been a multitude of opinions put forth by everybody oh no they need ours yeah i mean none of them are are as correct as our opinions so we're we're blessing your ears once again yes this week we are going to talk about as katie said fourth wing by rebecca yaros which if you are on any book social media you have probably seen a lot of content about this story. Yeah, for sure. So I'll talk through my experience of like becoming aware of Fourth Wing and then if you want to do yours, Bailey, but I had never heard of it and then I started getting a bunch of book talk videos that were like Fourth Wing is so overrated and I was like, I literally don't even know what that is. And I think I had seen like maybe three videos and then I messaged you, I'm like, I guess we got to check this out. And then I checked the Goodreads rating, and it's still sitting at, like, a 4.7 on Goodreads after, like, 50,000 ratings. Whoa. Sorry, 84,000 84, ratings, and it's a 4.7. And so it's one of those where it's, like, something is happening here, and we need to figure out what it is. Yes. I want to say that that is an insane Goodreads rating. I'm pretty sure a lot of mm-hmm. other popular books that are universally loved by us or not don't even reach like that level. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it was going to be a fluke because it started out so high. Like, I think it's come down from maybe like 4.78 when I was first looking into it. And I think the first time I looked, it had maybe 15,000 ratings. Um, but it's still at a solid 4.70 with over 80,000 ratings now. So it really is not meaningfully coming down in rating. No. I first heard of Fourth Wing from... My name is Marinesse on um, TikTok, and her review is actually a little more critical than I think most content has been. So my first introduction was her discussing what she didn't like about the book, and then her responding to people who were leaving comments in her comment section about how she was incorrect for not liking this book, uh, which is... Oh, I missed those. I think most of what her content ends up being when she just dislikes a popular tiktok book Mm -hmm. so and then i started like looking for a little bit more but katie was like we should read this and i was like fuck it all right i already (laughs) i can already guess that like this is probably going to hit some of the same beats for me as it did for mari but we'll go with it Mm -hmm. yeah and that is how we decided to read it and i knew i knew pretty much nothing about it going into it i had heard a couple people compare it to divergent and that, that I knew that it was about dragons and, like, a dragon school. That's pretty much all I had going in. I knew that uh, whatever the blurb said, which in true form I immediately forgot before starting the book because 
I purchased the book well before I read it. Life got in the way a little bit. And then all of a sudden, one day, I was like, I'm going to read this book. And I read it in, like, two and a half days. So, um, yeah, I don't... I did not really know what it was about until I went back and read the blurb. And I was like, oh, boy. We're going to see how this goes. Um, because on the <laughs> surface, a uh, war school book with dragons is something I would love. But we will get into that. We certainly will get into it. <laughs> um. Do you have read it more recently now? Do yes. you want to go for the summary? Oh god. Or, or do you want me to take it on? No, I mean I can do my best. Okay. Which um, is welcome to once again another very good summary from the Prose Tinted Glasses Girls. That I did not prepare for at all and will attempt <laughs> to not editorialize as usual. <laughs> so Violet is the youngest daughter of the general of the military forces. For her country, I do not know the name of the country. I did not absorb any of that information. It begins with a B, I think. Uh, well, the school's called Bizgaith, but I don't think that's the country's name. But that's okay. I don't care. It feels so. unimportant. So Violet is turning the age where she's able to join, basically, like her job, and everyone in her family has been a dragon rider. So her mom has decided she's going to become a dragon rider. Even though she has spent her whole life learning to be a scribe because her dad is a scribe. So in order to do that, she has to pass the first challenge, which is walking across an elevated skywalk to the school where you get to learn to ride dragons. Um, she befriends someone in line, trading them boots. She runs into an enemy who is the uh, son of one of the rebellion leaders that was executed by her mother, and that would be Zayden. And... She, although she was not expected to make it, she does. Um, she makes another enemy, Jack Barlow. And then she is in dragon school and she begins the challenges of learning to be a dragon rider. You have to go through your most of your first year before ever meeting the dragons by training in combat and doing what's known as the gauntlet, which will prepare you for the presentation day where the dragons get to see you and decide if they want to bond with you. Um... Her best friend from growing up is there, Dane. And Dane is like, oh my gosh, we have to get you out of here. I will sneak you into the scribe school. He's doing the very protective, like, best friend thing. She was clearly in love with him, but now she's at school. And also she's met Zayden, so she's kind of unsure. There's all these new feelings. Dane is acting kind of in a way that Violet does not like. Because she feels like he's really writing her off. Um, she has a long way to go. Because she has some physical disabilities, but she's determined to be a dragon rider. And she learns to use her smarts to sort of overcome some of those challenges. Honestly, this part's all, like, it all blurs together to me until, like, presentation day where she gets... She gets chosen by not one, but two dragons, which is a first. Because... Sorry, I'm about to editorialize, but because she is the most special little girl yes. of all time. Because not only did she get chosen by two dragons, she also got chosen by the black dragon who hasn't bonded with anybody in years and is super special, super powerful, and everyone's in awe. They have to hold a special dragon council to confirm that she can even be bonded to two dragons. Um, and then, you know, they continue doing this school thing where now they're learning to, like, ride their dragon, which Violet's struggling with because of her disability, but um, she's doing extra training uh, come to find out that her dragon is mated with none other than Zayden's dragon. 
which means they can never be separated for very long. And this also means that once they're out of war school, they're likely going to be stationed together because their dragons have to be together. So Zayden and Violet are going to have to learn to get along for their dragons. Um, there's a lot of sexual tension between them, uh, even though the sexual tension is actually supposed to be between their dragons. And they go through a whole long period of, we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't do this. Uh, Dane is continuing to be like kind of weird and overprotective and not listening to Violet. At one point, Dane kisses Violet and she realizes that she's completely over him, does not want to be with him anymore, but she's still resisting Zayden. Um, and then her and Zayden finally give in after there's a really horrible time where Violet has to defend herself in a battle and they have sex and also they are channeling during the time that they have sex and they like break a bunch of furniture and shit. Yeah, so they have, I don't think we've touched on, they have magic dragon powers that they get as a result of bonding with their dragon and it takes Violet's a really long time to manifest or whatever but it turns out that she can like control lightning and Zayden can control shadows um and they're the lightning and the shadows d- destroy a bunch of shit while they have sex which was editorialization and uh so they also Violet's little study group made up of her friends wins a challenge so they get to go out to one of the What's the word for that? Outpost for the military where her sister is actually stationed. Because keep in mind, this whole time, um, her country's, like, trying to prevent uprisings and rebellions and war. I don't really know. It's not explained. Um, And her sister's there, but then a bunch of wyverns attack. So Zayden has to save her and they run away and her her sister survives and all of this. Um, But then at the very end, after graduation, they're under attack again. And they go out, um, and turns out the entire time it was a trap set for Violet by not only Zayden, but also the dragons. Trap is... Uh, it's not, I don't feel like that's an accurate assessment. That's okay. I was, at this point, I was just, like, rage finishing the book. So if you would like to take over the summary. Sure. So it's, like, as part of their the, like, older people's graduation slash their, like, graduation to their second year, they, um, have to, like, do, like, a real exercise or, like, a real training exercise, and Violet ends up having to go with Zayden's group because their dragons can't be apart, and it's gonna be, like, multiple days, and Dane tries really hard not to get her to go, um, but she's like, sorry, it's not up to me, it's up to the dragons, so it turns out that, like, everybody else in Zayden's group is, like, also children of the former rebellion people. Um, and Violet, like, kind of doesn't notice until it's way too late. And they're, like, seen giving supplies to basically the enemies. And uh, Violet feels very betrayed. But then Zayden's like, no, I swear, listen, like, we rebelled for a good reason. And, like, the Empire is really evil. And she, like kind of starts to believe them because there's been this whole like subplot about basically like about in-world fairy tales being real and um this is where she starts to realize like oh like wyverns are a real thing so like are these other fairy tale things real and so she kind of like tentatively trusts them and then um they all realize like oh this was a trap like they sent us on this specific mission to kill basically the the kids of the revolutionists and um violet kind of got caught up in the crossfire there 
And so then they have to make this decision, like, oh, do we, like, stay and protect this, like, village of, quote-unquote, the enemy when they're getting attacked by the very scary mystical fairy tale thing? Or do we, like, save ourselves? And, of course, since it's a fantasy book, they stay and fight. I did conflate the attack that comes with the military exercise for graduates. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Uh, And then... Uh, we forgot a spoiler warning. We are the worst at spoiler warnings. Um, <laughs> spoiler warning! So, um, we can Vi- edit it in. Violet basically pushes herself too hard, using her lightning power to, like, help save as many people as she can. She also gets poisoned. Um, and then they... Satan is like, well, I know this, like, great poison master. He can, like, save you. And she's like, we'll never make it back to the school, to Bisgayath in time. And he's like, it's a good thing we don't need to go to Bisgayath. And um, the healer that saved her the whole time was, like, her brother that she thought was dead years ago. Because turns out her brother has joined the resistance. Mm-hmm. The end. Book one. Done. <laughs> so, Katie, do you want to start with your, like, general thoughts about what you thought with this book? And then I can talk about mine. Sure. Um. So I want to, like, I came into the book expecting to fucking hate it. Like, I was, like, actively, like, pep-talking myself into being, like, I have to give it a fair shot. Like, I can't go in with, like, this negative of an attitude. Um, I got it from the library because I didn't want to spend money on it. Um, I was, like, I was a real negative Nancy about it, and I fucking love it. (laughs) I loved it so much. (laughs) Um, we did a, we did a buddy read, um, on StoryGraph, which is a really cool feature on StoryGraph where basically like you mark your progress and then you leave comments and then the, whoever you're buddy reading with can't see your comments until they get that far in the progress. And my first few were like, okay, like, yeah, like the exposition is a little clunky, but like, there's like, I kind of am into it. Like, it's kind of fun. And then I think literally my second comment was, yeah, okay, I'm going to be feral over this probably at 18%. Yes. Um, And that held true. My favorite is at 35%. Her comment is just, this is fun. Fuck the haters. Uh. (laughs) To which Bailey responded, LMAO, I am a hater. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So my, my basic overall thought was like, I don't think it's good necessarily, uh, but I had a, a lot of fun with it. I was just kind of like, I read it in one sitting during the day, during a workday, which I can say because I have since been laid off from that job. So I don't even feel bad about it. Um, but I, I was just like hooked. Like, I, I don't know. It's, like, it was a lot of fun, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I am a hater, as we said. But it wasn't that it wasn't necessarily fun. It's that I always just want more. That's that's my thesis statement. I just wanted, like, more out of this book. So there were definitely times when I had a lot of fun. Um, like, and I didn't hate it too much until probably, I don't know, 35% started it. And then by the time I got to, like, 60%, I was so over it. Because also, this book is, like, pretty long. Mm-hmm. So it just kept going, and I was tired of hitting the same emotional beats, and so I was getting a little frustrated reading it. I tried to go in with an open mind, and I feel like I did pretty good for the beginning half of the book, 
while I was still like getting into the story. And then there was a time where I was having fun with it. And then there was a time where all of the little things I was not enjoying were adding up to be too much. And I finally was like, I do not, I'm not enjoying this as much anymore. Yeah, which is totally fair. And like, to be clear, all of your criticisms of it are correct. I just did not care. And I actually, when I was writing notes for this episode, I had an epiphany. Um, hang on, I'm going to, I'm going to get, jump down to where my notes are. Uh, uh, it was terrible. Read it in one sitting. Almost reread it literally immediately, which is true. I almost just restarted it, um, which I have only ever done once before, and it was uh, not a good mental state. Um, and then absolutely feral for it. And then I go, oh, this is the Fast and the Furious franchise of books with dragons. I get it now. We got the tagline to the episode. Pack it up. That is why I loved it. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just like the epitome of like no thoughts, head empty. Just Just watch it and have fun. <laughs> Eat some popcorn. Yeah, which I think is what I said in, like, my last comment response to you is that I'm just not the audience for that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just not the audience for the type of book that promises me more and doesn't deliver it. The, the Head Empty No Thoughts books that I read have to be presented as Head Empty No Thoughts books. Sure. Um, and I feel like this one... Especially given how, like, viral it went about people being excited for it and loving it. I wanted so much more. Uh, It's the... It has a very light veneer of fantasy, and then, like, nothing's built out. Yeah, it was very, like, hand-wavy. It was like, and this is a thing that exists, and just don't really worry about it. And And I didn't. Yeah, I'm not as willing to forgive the hand-waviness. Because that's what I like about some books is that we get an explanation of a nitty gritty of it. And if there is hand waviness, I want to like other aspects of the book better. Sure. I think that um, it like I would have more concerns about all those points in like if the book were slightly different, but they're they're literally just talking in like literal gen z slang like they're just talking like modern day teenagers the whole time i mean i guess they're in their 20s technically but um which which i cannot believe i mean they're like college age they're like 20 and 22 i still felt that i mean zayden's supposed to be like turning 23 because he's a third year i still felt that they came off as like pretty young for in and there was really no Nothing in the story to convince me that they needed to be 20 for this to happen. Uh, sex. Yeah, no, I I mean, that's it. Yeah, it, yeah, it was so that they could have sex. I know, but nothing besides that. <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't know. It felt pretty true to, like, the heist or, like, the college dumbass experience. Like, um, I don't know. I, I didn't have a, a huge problem with it, but, like, they literally were just... This book did not take itself seriously. Like, it knew to some extent what it was doing and it was like I could go deeper but that's not the vibe um which totally is fair if that's not for you but I was just like all right I'm I'm in it that's fair like I said it's not like it was like the worst book I've ever read and there were just like so many so many little things like I said that added up that I just did not like that I was like okay whatever Mm -hmm. mm-hmm totally fair it's Again, it's just not the book for me. I can admit that it's not the audience. Um, I also just really, really needed it to have, like, a content editor that said, hey, 
we've done this eight times. Are we sure we want to do it again? Yeah, the editing was atrocious. There was a note that I wrote in our buddy read, and you had for you had not um, noticed it, but there was a line at twenty eight percent, which I did. By the way, I did buy a physical copy because it has the cool sprayed dragon edges. Okay, that I'm is a sucker cool. for a pretty book. Um, so maybe I can find it. But it said I like rewound it to make sure I was hearing it right, and it said. That Violet wiped her forehead with the back of her dirty palm. Which, like, is the back of your hand the back of your palm? What does that mean? Couldn't tell ya. That's gonna take too much effort. I was gonna flip through, but I don't don't care enough. But, and there were a couple of other times, um, I think watching maybe one of um, Marinace's criticism videos she mentioned that there were multiple times like it felt like info was being relearned and it reminded me of a specific time where after violet was attacked in bed which i don't think we touched on in the summary but she was somebody broke into her room and tried to kill her and zayden um got all protective and she was like you're not sleeping in my room to protect me and he was like yeah obviously i'm not gonna do that get real And then, like, two minutes later, he goes, because I'm not sleeping on your floor like a dog to protect you. And I'm like, we literally just had this discussion. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's like the scene was written, like, two different ways to see which one worked best. And then instead of, like, deleting it over and, and, like, rewriting it in the way that you liked best, it was just sort of put in the book where it's doubled. Yeah, I would not be surprised if that was exactly what happened. Yeah, and then the just the general theming of... Like I said earlier, like, specific beats in the story where we, like, we did a repetitive cycle of will they, won't they with Violet and Zayden, and Mm -hmm. all of them felt, like, extremely similar. They're in, like, a training class or a a war school event, and they are, like, pining after each other, and they get really emotional, and they walk away, and then they are in a hallway or outside, and they're yelling at each other about how they can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm so over this, like... I just don't, it is not changing enough for me to be reinterested in this exact same scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely fair. I will also say something I feel really strongly about is that I think I would have not enjoyed it if I had read it versus listened to it, or at least not as much, because I think that the way that the names are spelled, like, it's very, you know, traditional fantasy, whatever, but it's, like, it's really cringy. Like, there was a part in the buddy read where I had been spelling Zayden, Z-A-Y-D-E-N, which was already, like, that's bad enough. Like, it's not a good name. And then I, like, came across a comment or something that spelled it the way it is spelled, which is X-A-D-E-N, and I'm like, wait, is that how it's spelled? Because that is less hot. Like, what are they doing? Like, I'm immediately less attracted to Zayden. And I was like, buddy is still my boyfriend. Yes. Um, but I literally, I think that going in with the attitude that I had where I was, like, already kind of, like, expecting to dislike it, I think that that would have reconfirmed that bias. Um, and I think it would have kind of fed itself and I would have had a, not as good of an experience. Yeah. I I started reading it, realized I could get um, the audiobook from the library immediately And then sort of kept going back and forth depending on what I was doing, what I had time for. And so I was reading all of these names. Because, by the way, Dane is like D-A-I-N. Also terrible. Yeah. And I was complaining to my coworker about the fact that I was only like 70% through this book and it was going to kill me to finish it. Because (laughs) nothing had fucking changed. And 
We also hadn't had any fucking major plot happenings yet. I'll get to that. Um, and so that inspired her to read it, obviously. And she texted me at one point like, oh, Zayden is doing this. And I was like, I regret to inform you that it is actually spelled X-A-D-E-N. <laughs> and she, she disliked the iMessage and said, mm-hmm. oh, my God, no. Yeah, which was basically my exact reaction to finding out <laughs> yeah. that that's how it was spelled. Because <laughs> she's listening to just the audiobook. And I was like, yeah, it's I, it's like the the cheapest and easiest way to make it feel like a fantasy setting is to like weirdly spell a name, except like these weren't creative at all. These weren't yeah, new. Yeah, it's like, it's like she did it halfway where like most of the names are not like unfamiliar names. She just spelled it weird. Like it's not even like going full fantasy where you're making up names like... I'm, we're gonna we're gonna get into Akatar at least a little bit later, oh, or at least I was planning to, um, because it's brought up been brought up in comparison a lot. But like at least in Akatar, like Feyre is a made up name, and like Tamlin is a made up name. It's not like she named the characters like Felicity and Thomas and just spelled them weird. Yes, yeah, I ugh, I just didn't like it, and that's how I feel. There were a lot of things that happened in this book where like. It's just the easiest version of actually doing the work for a fantasy novel over and over because I kept forgetting that, like, her country is at war, ostensibly, with, like, enemies. They're protecting their borders constantly because it just didn't play a role. I kept saying in the buddy read, like, so what's, like, when is something going to happen? Because we just keep getting the same, like, conflict inside the school with the same four characters and it keeps ending, like, the exact same way. Like, Jack Barlow keeps attempting to kill Violet, and she keeps, like, sort of, like, outsmarting him and surprising him into getting away. But she, like, until the she does kill him with the lightning, of course, because he hurt Liam. Um, like, by the way, yeah, Jack and Liam, Liam, completely normal names. Um, she, she just, like... Yeah, she, just, like, literally normal names. She doesn't kill him because she feels bad. And so then he's, like, you know... 50 pages later, he's like, I'm going to kill you again. Ha ha. And she's like, not this time. You're not. Um, And it just felt like very, I just was bored of it because it just kept happening. And this book was so long. I think we could have had the same book with far less content in it. And it would have still felt the same because we would still be doing some of those things. Just yeah, not I the same time. You're completely right. I think the editing was atrocious. I also think that, um, it just, it made use of shortcuts, right? Like, the name thing was a shortcut. Um, a lot of the tropes were shortcuts. Um, a lot of, I think another point that Marinace made in a video was, like, we're told that Violet is smart and sassy, and so we don't really have to worry about whether or not she actually is living up to that. We're just like, oh, she's being smart and sassy. Um, and, you know, that's completely valid criticism. Yeah, and I think, like you said at the very top, She's the most specialist girl ever. That just kept happening. There was a scene where the professor is, like, talking to her about how dragons don't only see physical strength as the most important thing, like everyone in the school thinks. And Violet's little inner monologue is like, yeah, okay, whatever. You think that's so fucking true, but I'm just, like, a weak girl. I'm just never going to be able to do it. And it's like, no, you, like, the whole novel has spent this whole time telling us that what you're good at is thinking differently than other dragon riders. And then anytime someone says something to you about that, you argue with them. You say, no, I'm not good. Even when the dragons choose her, 
She spends a significant amount of time like, what are you doing? You're wasting your choice. You shouldn't pick me. And um, it, it's giving pick me energy. I mean, I think it's more so giving insecurity and that, you know, we're in her head and she obviously doesn't believe those things about herself. And so I like it gets repetitive. You're totally right. But I don't have an issue with it as like a character trait that like she is insecure and she like has felt that she has not been able to do things that her peers do because of her disability and has not kind of internalized that she what she really has done is found ways to adapt because of her disability. I just think that a lot of that happens off the page in a shortcut. Um, sure. And so that might be why I struggle with it a little more, especially before school. Like, obviously, during the gauntlet, she uses her daggers to get up the ninja warrior wall. Because mm-hmm. um, that was just the American ninja warrior wall thing. Yeah, it was just the, it was the warp wall. For yeah, sure. it was just the warp wall. Um, she, like, uses her knives to get up, it, which is cool. And I'm sure it's badass. But that's one of the only examples I can really think of where she, like, directly used that smartness to to challenge things um and so i feel like a lot of the built the building for all of those feelings is off page before the novel starts but it isn't done in a way that i can connect them very well because you don't yeah, yeah you don't need someone's whole backstory just to have a novel otherwise you'd end up with every novel being 800 pages yeah for sure i think um since we've touched on it a couple times i think we should get into a little bit of the representation in the book which um we've mentioned a couple times that violet is disabled and specifically well it's not named in the book but it's like pretty it's a pretty clear analog for ehlers danlos syndrome right um which is like basically a lot of some of the hallmarks are that like your your limbs are very weak and very like easily broken and like also more bendy it's a connective Um, tissue disorder so yeah that's that's what it is yep that's why her you know her knee pops out of place in like the first um scene very easily she has trouble her muscles are not as strong and then yes she does like have issues with um bruising and bone breaking and like mm-hmm. you said, it's and she's very... in she's in pain for like a a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It's a very clear analog for that mm-hmm. disease, even though it is never named. It's it's sort of treated as her mother is like, you know, we never should have taken you into that room with your father, and you wouldn't have gotten that fever, and then this wouldn't be a problem. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, also, I don't think we even mentioned, but she's got a super special like silver streak in her hair because she's the most specialist girl in the world. Um, and which I think, so I think actually the, the explanation is that her mom got sick with, like, while she was pregnant with Violet and like, that's why she's like leached of color and her bones are so weak. Yeah, it's, and the, the special colored hair is like something that all of the rebellion's kids like know to recognize because they know that like the leader's kid, um, has like special silver hair. Which, I don't know, all that, like, because it doesn't seem like, like, the mom doesn't have the the special hair. No. So, like, why do they, why do they know that the mom's kid does? I don't know. Well, that, this is, this is my there's problem some, with a lot of it. There's some glaring holes in the world building. <laughs> because each one of these things could have been interesting if they had been used, but it is all very, like, I have this cool idea, I'm going to put it in here, and I'm never going to touch it again. Mm-hmm. And that just makes it feel messy and incomplete, even though it, really is like 500 pages it was a 21 hour audiobook um so i 
the world building really falls apart for me. Yeah, again, totally fair. Uh, I just kind of accepted that it was like, meh, meh. The representation is a brighter spot. Yeah, I think um, I think it's good that that she's like specifically by the world, other than by like the clear villains. Like she is not treated as lesser, and you know, issues with um, how it was actually implemented aside. Like I think that it's very clear that she's seen as capable. She is able to like use her smarts to like adapt around her disability, um, and like it's never treated as like. She's never othered by the world, other again, other than the shitty characters. Right, which like the only character that's that shitty is like is like Jack and his his cronies and his little his little yeah. Minions, even yeah. Dane, who we don't like, is like like knows how to help her, knows how to get her help, and like doesn't ever give her a hard time for it. It's just like, hold on, I know you need another second to like mm-hmm. take care of this. Um, yeah, and I think in addition, there's a lot of really good just like casual representation, like kind of in the background. Like um, one of the scholars that they interact with a fair amount is deaf, and people just like know sign language, or like at least Violet does, and at least like one other student does, and she's like pleasantly surprised that he knows sign language and can interact with a deaf student. Yeah, I thought that that was more of. A thing that scholars use to communicate quietly and not that that particular character was. Oh, I definitely thought it was that particular character. I I would have to go back and double check, like reread how that was originally like presented because it, mm-hmm. it could be possible that was when I was doing the audiobook and I like missed a little bit of that. Um, Because I'm pretty sure there was like it was like specifically... She was, like, impressed that he knew sign language, and he was like, oh, I, like, I had a deaf friend or something. I don't know. I thought that was because only scholars knew it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I could be, I could have completely missed that. It wouldn't surprise me. Possibly. And then also there there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of casual queer representation with the background characters and, like, people dating, and it was just totally, like, woven into the fabric of mm-hmm. uh, the story, which I appreciate. Yeah, I just Googled it, and it does seem like the scholar, the the scribe was deaf, and I completely misunderstood the entire concept of it. So I'm going to say, sure. my bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's okay. That's Sometimes on me. we miss things. Yeah. it And so going back to then, there being like this casual, like, queer rep, no one mentions it. I think one thing the book does well um, is it does do a good job of um, just accepting casual relationships for people i mean you've got all these like 20 somethings at school they're not allowed to contact their families and it seems they move through consensual mutual relationships frequently for convenience of like oh i need like this physical outlet and then there are some lasting relationships um and we do get one drop mention that they have like a anti-fertility potion or whatever that they can take and stuff like that so it while I thought there was a bunch of other content related to sex that was extremely cringy, that kind of seemed um, nice to just be like, yeah, sometimes people have casual sex and it's okay and it's not like a thing. Yeah, I really liked that. It's like, as you've said, the actual love scenes uh, were um, bad, I think. Uh, I didn't love them. Um, They, uh, I don't know. We're like pretty anti-spice generally, or not really anti-spice. Spice is not really our thing. Um, if you like spice, cool. Um, but like, I'm already pre- pretty predisposed to like not love a spice scene, mm-hmm. um, and they were they were particularly a lot. Um, but 
but the like culture of sex positivity as you're saying i thought was was very nice and very well done and yeah again i am not big on spice so i did struggle a little bit with just that in general i don't particularly care for explicit sex scenes in my books i get my porn elsewhere man like (laughs) this is not where i go to for porn right Especially because it's not written with any creativity or anything, it feels like. It's just... But what really got me during it and just took the cringe level from bearable, because I know I don't like sex scenes, to off the charts was the fucking channeling of their magic during the sex scene. It's every, like, crappy trope come to life that I hate, and it was just so... I hated it so much. <laughs> yeah, I I was not a big fan. I think in the buddy read, I was like, okay, well, that sex scene was pretty cringy. And then I said, but also, hell yeah, because I'd been waiting for them to get together. So. Yeah, I was glad we got um like resolution to that on some level. But then I, I commented back on the buddy read, like, oh, God, I thought it was just me. I'm so glad that it's it's not good. No, it was it was something else. Yep. For sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, again, your mileage may vary if you like spice. Uh. Actually, I felt embarrassed. I want to know <laughs> from someone that reads a lot of spice. Is that good? Is that what it is all the time? Because all yeah, that, is that what you like? All that does is further cement that that is not what I like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all that does is tell me again and again that I'm I'm going to continue to shy away from spicy novels. I do appreciate there was really only like one, maybe two spicy scenes. So it was not like we weren't forced to endure a lot of it. No, it it was low on the spice level. It existed, but there was not too much of it, so that can be that can be said. Uh, Are we prudes? No, I'm no. We're, we're definitely not. But I did not like it. No, I was gonna say like I've read plenty of Katie Robert. I don't know. I just <laughs> like those are better. <laughs> um. Ooh, back, d- dipping back into representation a little bit. Um, this is like partially about the book and partially not, but um, fan artists keep drawing Zayden as, and then I wrote in parentheses, Schmidt voice, a white man? No! (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which, which, uh, Rebecca Yaris, the author, has come out and said that he is intended to be a person of color. Um, but also, like, was that obvious enough? Like, I, I am, I'm the kind of person who kind of just blah, blah, blahs through character descriptions anyway. So I'll admit that I just pictured him as a, as a, actually, like, specifically Chris Pine, because I just insert whoever I'm currently lusting after into the love interest. Um, uh, no more Sebastian Stan? Dang. Oh, he, I mean, he's in the rotation. Okay. This one was Chris Pine, though. Um, but, um, and I, I think there's, like, a description of him, of him having, like, tawny skin or whatever, but it's, like, it's not very clear that he's a person of color. And also, I was watching a TikTok about, like, wh- like, what does person of color mean in this universe? Like, is he black? Is he brown? Is he South Asian? Like, you can't just, like, you don't get to just, like, hand wave, oh, he's not white. Congrats. Right. Especially because I don't think it's mentioned for many other characters at all. And it does not play a part in the greater structure of the world. Actually, you know what? We can't say that because we know fucking nothing about this world. About the world. We truly know nothing about the world. We only know about what's going on at the school and the politics and conflicts that we get within the school all have to do with the rebellion and Mm -hmm. Violet being the most special girl who got two dragons. And so we know she, ha- her friend Rhiannon is 
pretty clearly black i think because she talks about her like hair texture and stuff Mm -hmm. um so like she is is black but then zayden is just like vague person of color and rhiannon is not part of the like group from the like rebellion um province or whatever so like are all the rebellion people vague people of color it's completely unclear um and i am also a little bit of a i don't take in that information and stick with it unless it's like explicitly stated and it, mm-hmm. it's the same it's the sarah j moss school of thought where it's like if you use vaguely colored adjectives to describe someone once or twice you can then say oh yes i definitely meant them to be a person of color my books are not all white um Mm -hmm. and i think that is a very valid criticism of what's happening here because it does not come off as the love interest is anything it's the problem i have i'm like reading the community review summaries on storygraph for this and it's diverse cast of characters, yes, 80%. And I just don't think that it's a particularly diverse set of characters from all I would have given it, like, if, if if it were not a yes or no, if it were, like, a like a one to five scale, maybe, I would have given it maybe a three. Because there's some diversity in um, disability, there's some diversity in sexuality, and there certainly, like, are characters of color. I just don't think they're done... Or at least Zayden, I think, is not done well. Yeah. Um, Keep in mind, so. Storygraph has an it's complicated choice for diversity of characters. That's true. And that That's is true. only 6% of reviewers. Yeah. Uh, which I think is some of the the thing going on with TikTok is if someone mentions that Zayden is not done well, there's a bunch of people that will flood the comments and be like, no, it he was done great. He is a person of color. His skin is described as tawny. Like... In defense of it, um, you clearly don't read Marinus comments ever, do you? They're... Um, pretty particularly no, because I know yep. how bad they are. Yes. Um, and I'm just like, I like, cool, I am here for Marinus's opinion, not for the people in the comment I, section. That's where I see it most often currently. Um, but yeah, it's like, as soon as she has a, a very valid criticism, again, uh, you know, of representation in a book, they come for her. Mm-hmm. And say, like, that's not true. Like, it is. It is It is a problem with this book. Um, mm-hmm. Among other problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, lots of lots of issues. But the that's this one in particular with kind of, like, the tug of war between, like, the fandom drawing him as white. No, he's not white. He is clearly personal color. But, like, is that enough? No, it's probably not. Um, it's all very murky and messy. Yeah. I... It's a problem I have with book talk in general, and I need to stop letting it color what I feel about this actual book, but it definitely plays a role in how I decide about books, because I don't need to be involved in a book. I don't want to like a book where the people are so rabid about defending something that you can't have a conflicting opinion. Yeah, I think fandoms can really ruin stuff in general, Um, but... Uh, I wanted to jump into talking just a little bit. We don't need to go deep, nor do I have the desire to, but about, um, (laughs) like, this and Akatar, right? So, like, I feel like a lot of the um, recommendations I've seen are, like, if you love Akatar, you'll love Fourth Wing, which I think is probably true. I think it's not necessarily as true in the reverse. 
Because um, basically the conclusion that I've come to is that this is like fun in quotes the way that Akatar like sh- is supposed to be fun, but it doesn't have a lot of the stuff that makes me hate Akatar. Um, it's way less. It's way like the gender politics are way less terrible. Um, the like the disability and the queer representation is way better. Um, and yeah, no one like, came out as bisexual that- at the last minute in a weird manner, <laughs> uh, just to to be bisexual and then never do anything with it. I don't even think I. Oh, you didn't make it that, that far because I haven't. I haven't read the last couple. Yeah. Um. But yay, so much to look forward to if I ever eventually read that. Don't waste your time. But I also, I also think it does a better job balancing the like romance plot with the fantasy, which you, you know, I know it's not very strong fantasy, but I think it is more balanced. Um. Which I, I wanted to talk a little bit about romantic fantasy versus fantasy romance mm-hmm. but first uh while we're still on akatar i wanted to um uh to to introduce a new segment i'm gonna call the tiktok take of the day oh, no. where when i was scrolling in tiktok like doing research for this i found a comment that absolutely blew my goddamn mind um have you opened the toggle yet Bailey? yes i just opened okay. it i okay i it I came across a comment um that said I recently binge read Akatar and Throne of Glass, and I loved Fourth Wing, but was shocked at how much she took from Moss's books. Did anyone else feel that way? Yeah, so <laughs> perhaps this commenter is young and hasn't read a lot of books. It doesn't have a lot of... Me- Clearly, the commenter does not have a lot of media literacy, which is not always something we can hold someone accountable for. But your comment, tell me you don't understand tropes without telling me you don't understand tropes, is completely (laughs) true. Because that is one of my biggest gripes with both of those books, both Mm -hmm. Akatar, Throne of Glass, and um, Fourth Wing, is that there is so much writing that is just based in tropes, and nothing is subverting the trope, nothing is adding to the trope, and there's no payoff for any of the tropes. Akatar, to me, as you said, is worse because it does not balance the romance with any fantasy it's like once she gets transported through the hedges it's like all fantasy or all fantasy kind of drops away now she just lives in like a modern world that where people occasionally use magic that could sometimes just be electricity like Mm -hmm. um but yeah most of the comments so this was a comment that there was like a video response to it and um the tiktok user was very kind and was like i think maybe you just don't know what you're talking about but all the comments on that video were like i like this person has clearly not read a lot of fantasy because Mm -hmm. if they think that like sarah j moss invented some of these things maybe they should read more which because that is a a large criticism of sarah j moss is that (laughs) she is not reinventing the wheel and it is borrowing heavily from other people and dear god i'd love to see them read aragon and then read lord of the rings (laughs) and be like hey (laughs) this seems from christopher paulini yeah exactly (laughs) Which, again, everybody, there's nothing new. It's just what you do with it. Do we need to have the... Tolkien all the way down. Do we need to have the hero's journey discussion again, folks? (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, But anyway, sliding back into romantic fantasy versus fantasy romance, which are uh, two genres, generously, um, and... Apparently one of them is called romanticy, and I don't know which one. But I think that this is the conclusion I've come to. So I think that 
fantasy romance are romance books with some like fantasy heavy elements so akatar is like absolutely a fantasy romance whereas romantic fantasies are fantasy books with a heavy romantic sub- subplot um, okay yeah so i think that fourth wing either falls into romantic fantasy or it kind of straddles the line because i think it balances like the two elements pretty well i think it i i will argue that it's not a fantasy romance i think it is more fantasy than romance i th- think it is more fantasy than romance i just think the fantasy is done so poorly that to me what i'm left with is the the thoughts about the romance mm-hmm. um because it, it there is there's dragons there's war school there is a 10 percent in the audiobook long battle scene at the end which we haven't even yeah. talked about that part yet um i think that it Definitely is more romantic fantasy, heavy on the sliding scale towards fantasy romance, but not mm-hmm. crossing the line. Uh, mm-hmm. It has more elements of fantasy than it does of romance. There's just that subplot with her and Zayden. And I think it's trying to get at... There's that really awkward scene where their dragons are clearly fucking. And they're like trying to deal with... so fucking annoying. They're trying to deal with the feelings of lust that like happen in in zayden and violet while their dragons are getting it on and it was so cringy it was really terrible it was real bad and that is i guess fantasy and i think it's trying to get a little bit at like oh they're mated um and then perhaps we could have gotten more of like you know we've our dragons are mated and they've chosen riders who would be well mated as well but it never actually fully commits to that because it plays mm-hmm. the will they won't they because they're enemies trope for too long. Um, whereas I think it would have been maybe more interesting if it had been about, you know, our our riders must be mated as well. And we, since the dragons are in charge of choosing and pretty much nothing the humans can do will influence that. Um, it's the... interesting you say that because I, I don't know that I agree. I think that, um, like, I think the will they won't they went on for way too long. I think you're right. But I think that there were mostly valid reasons for it again i think we could have cut out a couple of the cycles but um something that i realized again taking notes is that at the so at the beginning of the book basically everyone thinks like oh zayden wants to kill violet because he's the son of the resistance and she's the daughter of the general and her mom like specifically killed his dad and so they're like, oh, he's going to want revenge. He's going to try and kill her. And he kind of plays into that. He's like, oh, she's mine, blah, blah, blah. Every, like, you can't hurt her because I'm going to kill her. But he's protecting her the whole goddamn time because he's mm-hmm. friends with her brother. Mm-hmm. Right. I The whole the whole time. But so so they're not really enemies, I don't think, from the start. She kind of thinks they are. But he, And he, he does play like, it up a little bit, like, when she first crosses the parapet. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're my enemy. Mm-hmm. But but not actually. He's so he's protecting her. Mm-hmm. He also like. He, so he I think he likes her pretty much the whole time. But they are from like you know a little bit of two different worlds because of, um you know it's a Romeo and Juliet in some ways. And then also. For a lot of it, I feel like they have both admitted their feelings to each other. But he thinks it's a bad idea because he's keeping this huge ass secret from her that he's like secretly helping who everybody thinks are the bad guys the whole time. Right. And he's like, I can't drag you into that. 
And there's a power imbalance as well because he's like the leader of her little military unit, mm-hmm. uh, which I get, but I don't and know. There, there's a whole part where um, he's like, cool, we can casually fuck if you want. And she's like, actually, I like you. So either we're just friends or we can be in a relationship, but we can't do the in-between thing. I actually did like that. Yeah. So I like I thought that there were some pretty validly handled ways for the will they or won't they, but I do agree that, it, like, it just, you know, wrap it up, man. Yeah. Which might be why everything makes me, like, I keep getting stuck on all of these, because I was just getting so annoyed at all these little things that I didn't like adding up. Um, and I think, where I think I said it pretty early on uh, about how I was like, it's so clear to me, it feels very telegraphed, that the bad guy, air quotes, is not actually the bad guy. That he was being correct the whole time and like the empire is the bad the bad guy uh an empire being the bad guy yeah could have thought. i was ranting in the car on the way to canada to johnny about this <laughs> and i kept saying the empire and as a big like star wars fan and stuff he was like oh okay <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah really <laughs> yeah tell me about it right <laughs> and i was like but i forget i don't even know like what they call themselves they, they're like a governing region yeah. that has multiple like regions within it empire i don't know it doesn't it truly does not matter because again nothing in this book matters exactly it's all just a plot device (laughs) that's what i was getting so mad about in the car too it's i was i just kept saying like there's so much thing there's so many things that could have been and instead it's just those little things exist outside of whatever is happening and i'm so much more interested in what exists outside yeah I like I tend to be more interested in like the character dynamics and like the character politics like at the school. And I think that I think it would have been better if there had been like a stronger sort of more well-built world outside. Um but like it didn't really bother me cuz like not just even the romance but like the the school politics is what I was more hooked on, I guess. Yeah, and I think I just I'm always stuck on, I wish it could have been more. I wish it could have been better. Because I wish we could have had both more built up in the outside and still gotten some of that stuff in the inside. And I think perhaps if we had edited some of those scenes down, we'd have more room for those things. I don't mind that a book is 500 pages. I will happily read a 500-page book. But I wanted those 500 pages to, to, to count, like to matter. And I don't think that there was enough time spent with the world even just a little bit here and there would have made it a lot better because then especially when they're out doing their little like graduation mission the stakes feel so low to me because i don't know who the fuck those people are i don't know who's what side of the war they're on the war that may or may not exist like it (sighs) either way it wasn't quite as like hateful as i thought it would be Because at the end of the day, I did still have fun during a lot of it. Like, fast action-paced novels, that's what's happening here, is, like, things are happening with the school politics, with the dragons, though I do wish we would have gotten so much more dragon lore. Uh, So I was actually about to comment, I think that, like, one of the things, and again, like, it was all kind of tentative, but I think that there was some interesting dragon lore. And also, we haven't really talked about the dragons as characters, but they fucking rocked. Um... 
uh, Violet's main main dragon that she can ride is like the biggest dragon of all time, and his name is Tarn, and he's a grumpy grumpy old guy. But um, he, it's like a lot of dragons will, if their rider falls off, they're just like, all right, you're dead. Guess I don't have a rider anymore. But he kept like catching Violet because she like couldn't hold on because of her bones. <laughs> um, and um, he like eventually like he and Zayden like made a saddle for Violet to use, which was really cute. And her other dragon, um, Andarna, is like a baby, um, which I thought I thought that the like baby feather tail lore was interesting because it's presented as she's just a type of dragon that they don't know much about because the humans really don't know very much about dragons. Um, but she's like too small to ride, and they're like, we've never like we don't know what feather tails do, and it turns out that they're just babies. Yeah, um, which I thought was interesting. That that was a part that I really still don't know how I feel about is that we've got these dragons who are distinct personalities, very unique. They have all this power and this entire school is built around people riding dragons and gaining magical dragon power. And the dragons sort of barely physically feature for a lot of the book. Like they're there for the riding lessons, but the the riders don't spend time with their dragons outside of the riding lessons. The, the dragons go live in the Vale, the Vale, the Valley, my, whatever, whichever fantasy book. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It literally doesn't. Um, I guess that's true, but they also, like, they have, like, a psychic connection, and so the dragons are, like, in their head constantly, mm-hmm. and so, like, I thought that that was interesting that they have, like, basically a second brain inside their head. I also thought the idea of, like, I the think power she that they get from their dragon did steal that from Aragorn. Okay, that totally... I haven't read Aragonic since I was probably 12, so I'm going to trust you. I don't think she actually also, stole it, because I think it's pretty common, but like that is, like, one I was of like, also, things. any of this could be, like, known dragon lore, and I just don't know anything. Um, but and the, the, the idea of the, like, signet power being, like, you get a special power, and it's, like, unique between bond. Like, it, you're not going to get a specific power from a specific dragon. Like, it's, it's unique to the combination of dragon and rider. Um, and I thought that some of them were really interesting. Like one of the early scenes in the book was somebody gets their dragon power, but it's like reading minds and they just immediately kill that guy because they're like, it's too dangerous. And also like, there's no way to learn to control it because it's too overwhelming. So bye. Yeah. I I did think that was really cool. And I like that it is specific to the, the bonded pair and not mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah, you bonded with Taryn, so you get immense physical strength or something. You know, it it's cool that it takes into account the human and the dragon when they're giving powers. And it's cool that Andarna can't actually give her a signet power because she's a baby. She can trans... Yeah. Andarna can transfer her specific power to Violet for short periods of time, um, which some might... Which argue- was stopping time, which was very cool. Yes. Uh, but... I will say when it comes to, like, killing that guy, the whole, we never have enough writers, our military is growing weaker, but we kill hundreds of students a year just to get to, like, the next year. Welcome to murder college. Yeah, it's like, they have, like, 20 kids die just attempting to get into the college. And then, once their students there, they have literal free reign to murder whomever they want, as long as they're not in their direct military report pod. Yeah, it's it's very silly. And then the dragons, as Katie said, like, if you can't hang on to your dragon, oops, sorry, you died. And then there were, like, multiple people 
who were killed during, like, the presentation because apparently the dragons, like, disliked them so much that they just fucking flamed them on the spot. And it's like, the military kept talking about how they don't have people. Like, you're creating this problem with the culture at the dumb murder school that you created and perpetrate. Like, oh, that made me so mad. Yeah, it it's very dumb. But but again, it's just the Fast and the Furious with dragons. They could send a dragon to space and I'd be all for it. Yeah, I I think that's the problem. I have trouble. I have trouble letting go and... Either way, like I said, I'm not... At the end of the day, there were parts that were enjoyable, and I do like things that read that fast-paced. You know, even though I may disagree uh, with some of the stuff in it. Like, it wasn't the worst thing. It just needed... A lot of my complaints come down to it just needed a better editor. Mm -hmm. It needed somebody that was willing to say, like, we don't need this in here to make this book. Um... That said, I never want to become an editor, so I'm just going to sit here from my happy throne and criticize. Yep. It works for me. Um, I'm just... I was just going to scroll through my notes to see if there's anything else I wanted to say. Um, we touched a little bit on how, like, the exposition was, like, pretty clunky in the beginning, um, which was kind of one of the worst parts. But I did... I was, like, laughing my ass off at the tactic of like having Violet nervously reciting history to herself in the beginning to like get herself through tense moments. I was like, honestly, I'm almost impressed with this. Like she's such a nerd that like, that's how she focuses. And like, that's how we were getting our history dumps. I was like, honestly, I'm not mad. No, I actually really liked that. Um, I liked that (laughs) because it was one of the more characterful things about Violet that I feel like we got was that Mm -hmm. she actually, Because I feel like in the beginning we talk about how much she liked being a scholar and how much she was looking forward to it. And then once she becomes like a super bonded dragon rider, like all of that goes out the window a little bit. We don't touch on it as much, except that she gets Mm -hmm. a job carting things to and from the scholars for them to learn in class. Like, uh, so I, I also loved that. It was actually very like cute and fun. And I, I can see that happening and I liked it a lot, but yes, um, it does not help the, like, exposition being clunky thing, necessarily. If that was the, like, most obvious bit of attempts to explain things to us, I would have been fine with it. But the rest is also so awkward and weird that it's just like, I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think the only other note, as I wanted to, my very first note before I started using the buddy read was... Oh no, there's an inexplicably hot third-year villain slash rival that wants to kill her. I'm immediately buying in. And then in parentheses I put, Zayden, not Jack. Jack is clearly a psychopath. And I was wrong about this, but I put, can't wait for their inevitable Clarice, Percy, rivals to reluctant allies to friends arc. Nope, turns out he was just a psychopath. Yeah. Um, And then I put, she and Zayden are gonna fuck, though. Yes. Yeah, I think, in keeping with me saying all those tropes were so clearly present... I think it was so clearly obvious to me that, like, we come in and we've got the person that's described as the bad boy as the enemy. We've got the clearly psychopathic guy. And then we've got, like, the we've best, got, friend, like, the that best she, friend that she used to be in love with that's now still in love with her, but he waited too late. And, again, not a single one of those, like, tropes gets subverted or used in any new way. It's just, like, they are what they are. And it was painfully obvious from the beginning. Mm-hmm. To me, at least. Oh, yeah. No, it... It's a very predictable book. Like, you're not going to really be surprised by anything that happens. 
Um, honestly, the thing I found the most surprising of all is like how quickly after the like betrayal reveal that's like, oh, Zayden and the resistance guys have been helping the bad guys the whole time. She gets over that pretty quickly in like a pretty reasonable way. She's like, actually, I do think that they would only have done this with a good reason and I will listen to them. And I'm like, you know what? I appreciate that. I think there are enough hints dropped earlier in the book about how like at the school they're like battle briefs. They were only getting little pieces of information. And anytime she got a connection to the outside world, they learned that it was so much worse that it made it very easy to just, yeah, accept the betrayal. Like, yes, clearly the empire is bad here. Emotionally, I don't think I could have done it. No. I'm a petty bitch. Right. So I, I, I was fairly impressed that she was like, all right, I'll just like accept that you're good people and you did this for a reason and I will listen to you. I'm going to say that the dragon bond helped with that because remember, Taryn was in on it the whole time too. And so That's maybe true. maybe that helped because she had already a little bit of that. But that that's but, my I mean, they, that's my head she, cannon. That's really not could, on the page. They really could. You're totally right. But they really could have dragged that out and made it insufferable if they wanted. Um, and and she didn't. And I appreciate that. Very glad that is that's the one what thing. I, that's the most subversion of trope that I think yeah. you're gonna find. And it's like I said, like Brennan still being alive. I was like, this was somehow super predictable. I didn't fully believe it because it was so super predictable that like her brother would be the one to save her. But I'm happy for her. she. She very clearly loved her brother. That was a. a a theme that kept coming back over and over again is how much she missed him. So. Yeah. I, I didn't telegraph it until like right before it happened. I knew that something had been weird about the whole Brennan story, but as soon as they're like, we have to get her to the person that can save her. I'm like, Oh yeah, that that's her Mm -hmm. brother. Yeah. Agreed. So sort of the last thing I wanted to talk about was these community reviews on StoryGraph. Uh, I touched on it a little earlier when I talked about if they said the, if it was a diverse cast of characters or not. Um, And I just think these are so interesting and I so strongly disagree with so many of them. Really? Well, we okay, already well, let's go through them. We already talked about how it, it it's complicated is clearly the best answer for diversity because there is a lot of representation of some things and then the rest of it is, is so kind of half-assed that it it makes it I complicated. Mean, I, I think there are two different questions. I think it is a diverse cast of characters and if there were another question that was like is the diversity done well? Okay. That would maybe be no or it's complicated. But I think like on a technical level Yes, there there is a diverse cast of characters. Um, flaws of the main... Flaws of characters, a main focus. I feel like it's complicated because I don't think that, like, Zayden's flaws are that he's part of the rebellion. Like, his parents were part of the rebellion, which is where a lot of the conflict is coming from, right? So the conflict is coming from these these greater positionings inside the world that their parents were in, that they're in, and not necessarily coming from within themselves, the flaws, or with choices that they've made. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I think, um, so the the way that StoryGraph rated this is they put, yes, 64%, it's complicated 21%, no, 12%. And I think that's probably a pretty correct split, because I feel like Violet's flaws are pretty um evident but we're also it's it's a close first person right like we're in her head and she thinks she's horny as fuck for zayden right so like yeah <laughs> um i think it's 
fairly reasonable that we see less of his flaws than hers, but... Yeah, I mean, that one's not as, like, widely spread. Um, Strong character development is 90% yes, 5% it's complicated, and 3% no. That is one of the most skewed results I've ever seen on on these, like, review questions. And I think, once again, that saying yes is kind of a strong answer for this because I just think that, like, we haven't resolved a whole lot of stuff. And the the resolution we do get, the betrayal, she's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll hear you out, is not, doesn't feel well done, necessarily. Um, I mean, again, it's one of those where... It's not asking if the character development is finished. It's like, have they developed? And and Violet has, you know, become way more secure in herself and her strengths. And um, I think that that is provable. And, you know, it's hard to, to rate other character development, like with other characters, again, because we're so close in her head. Um, but, I like, I think that I think it's fair. I, I, it is I, very skewed, though. I think I would just lean so much more into it's complicated. Sure. Uh, then, then yes, because I think I don't know, and it, it probably is all connected to me thinking that this is not a heavily character-driven novel. It's a heavily plot-driven novel, and thus all these questions about characters have so much less weight. I mean, another thing that Storygraph disagrees with you about. I know. That's what I'm saying. Um, because uh, so. Storygraph put, for plot or character-driven, put 75% a mix, 13% plot, and 10% character, which I think may be the most well-balanced I've ever seen this stat. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty pretty insane. Yes. I Again, I just think it is more plot-driven than it is character-driven, so I would put plot and not mix, but I think See, I, it's I also think the it's least a mix wrong. I think it's a mix because there is so much focus on like the close, the the like school care like the characters and the character politics. Like, I think it is kind of a true mix because it's like there's like the larger plot, and then there's like the the close plot of like the school stuff, which I think is much more about the characters. Um, I think that the sequel will probably skew more plot. Um, I feel that we have been promised, like, oh, the plot is coming in the sequel. <laughs> I did my guess. I did keep saying in the buddy read, like, where, where's the plot, like, the actual plot? Because I felt like all of the conflicts we were getting within the school, they were driven by, like, small plot actions, like Jack trying to kill her. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Jack trying to kill, bursting into a room, trying to kill her, is what led to, like, one of the first confrontations of Zayden actually protecting her, etc. Um, so the, the plot is what spurned on that character development to me. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, like, when is the actual plot going to happen? Like, we're set up for this, like, big war school thing. And we're running out of time for it to have a payoff in the real world. The, the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and it, it does eventually and i think you're right the sequel is actually going to play into that larger world plot but i just kept waiting for something to actually happen and not just be like what felt like schoolyard disagreements to me Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's fair 
I um I do I, I'm pleasantly surprised. So the sequel, the second one is coming out in November of this year, which I so greatly appreciate. Um, not having to wait a billion years. Um, I do I can't remember if I actually read this or if I just wholesale made it up in my head, but I thought I read that there are gonna be five books, um, which I fear may be too many. I honestly feel like this would be a pretty good candidate for a duology. Um, like this is this is the close read story of the school. And then the next one is the, the bigger picture uh, plot one. Um, I, I fear that, especially with the success it's having, um, they're going to maybe milk it for all they can. But. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think maybe even a trilogy is like a stretch for this because I mean, if if Zayden and uh, Violet become the leaders because they win the rebellion in the second book, maybe you could have a third book of them, like, setting everything to rights and have it, you know, be a more unified kingdom or whatever, whatever fucking bullshit you want to do. But it would still be a stretch for for the world. So, yeah, I think five books, five making five books out of fourth wing is like making five Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them movies. It's just something that shouldn't happen. The content is just not there. Yeah, I will say, though, um, I don't know. Like, you never really know how much of a plan an author really has. um, Because I've been talking to Bailey offline about this, but I've been reading the Foundry Side trilogy. And, like, the plot in each of those three books is so wildly different. Like, it scales up in a way that I could not have ever predicted. Um, So, you know, maybe, maybe Rebecca Yaros has a plan. I... I don't know. I feel like, again, I would feel very comfortable with a duology, so we'll see what happens, but... Maybe my world-building questions will be answered. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they'll... Uh, I I also, I can't decide if I think they'll edit it better because it has had such a response, or if they'll give her more free reign so, um, because it has had such a response. I mean... And I fear, I fear the latter. I was going to say that given the way that uh, SJM gets edited. I also fear the latter. It's also like, I don't know. It's so kind of strange how hard they went with this book. Like uh, a print with sprayed edges for a first run of an author who she's written a lot, but not really in this genre and not really anything popular. Like I find it very not like suspicious feels like the wrong word, but like I am questioning like why they thought this would be such a big hit. I mean, they were right. They were clearly right. But it, like what? I don't know. It just I, feels weird to me. I think it's because it is in so many ways comparable to Akatar's success in that it is a tropey fantasy novel that does not take a lot of buy-in for the fantasy parts of it. Um, I know there's a lot of fantasy that, I mean, Foundry Side has a lot of convoluted sort of, you got to read and figure it out and think about what that means, yeah. kind of. Foundry like, Side has like a real like hard magic system. Yeah. Um, And so it, there's a lot of rules and a lot of stuff to learn. And Fourth Wing is just like, there are dragons. Fourth Wing is like, there are no rules, which again is, Foundry Side has hard rules. Mistborn spends like... I don't know, the first, like, 50 pages just fucking info-dumping you on how, like, being a Mistborn works or whatever. 
Yeah, and like um, like King Killer Chronicle has another uh, good example of like a hard magic system, um, as opposed to like I would call I would call Fourth Wing soft magic, mm-hmm. where it's just like there's some magic. Well, and don't the, worry too hard. There is some apparent cost to the magic, but like it seems to be undefined in a way. <laughs> it's not like. The other three series we just mentioned, like, all of the magic is very, I would say, mathematical, even. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very, it feels like you could learn it in a science class. Whereas, like, this is, like, other, like, more traditional soft magic is just, like, you do magic. I mean, Harry Potter has soft magic, right? That's the example, like, yeah. everyone's going to know about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it it is really easy to buy in. The tropes aren't doing anything crazy. You know, I think that's why, because the success of books like Akatar have been so great, looking at them from a publisher perspective, it was probably very easy to say, like, this book is going to follow that same path. And then if they get it to the right part of TikTok at the right time, as we've seen, it just blows up. Well, and I know that they did, um, like, when they sent out the arcs, they... um they sent them out in like really nice boxes, like really nice, like branded boxes, which is such a small thing. Um, but they like, they really went hard on the PR for this book and they did it really well. What like more, what I'm questioning is like, it seems like such a risk for like a quote unquote unknown author, at least in this space. Like it, I, I'm just interested what in what led to them deciding to do that push. Like, why did they know that like, this is going to be, the next big thing because i feel like lots of books get published that are you know quote unquote like akatar um but this one just really i don't know i, don't I, know. I think it's interesting and i mean they again they were right so good I, job i but. am quite critical of the publishing industry on like a base level oh, you yeah. know so oh, yeah. i i also question what led to this why it's like it's like if rebecca yaris didn't have such a history of publishing books i'd be like what is the like what in the nepo baby is going on here mm-hmm. um it just it feels it feels inorganic but has turned into something organic so like again you can't really fault them um you know it's just i'm always curious as to like what the inside baseball is as to like like who decided this would be a hit how did they like agree on it like how did they decide to do that big publishing um push uh, or pr push but Somebody got really lucky and is really good at their job and said, we're doing this. They nailed it, for sure. Oh, that's pretty much... That's what I have. I don't think it was, like, the worst book I've ever read, but I certainly think it has more problems for me than it had enjoyable. So, that that's fourth wing. Sure. Uh, Again, I'm just going to reread my tagline from later. It was terrible. I read it in one sitting. I almost reread it literally immediately, and I'm absolutely feral, feral for it. Yeah, so. I do think we get a lot of um, a lot of ability to make content from these characters because they, in some ways, have just enough of a blank slate that they can be whoever you want to be, like Chris Pine. Yeah. <laughs> It, I mean, it's better when all characters are Chris Pine, in my opinion. <laughs> no, actually, um, don't worry, darling. I hated his character because he was so freaking good at being the weird, creepy dude. Yeah, correct. Um, and I still absolutely would have jumped on him. But uh, That's because we're right. And we should say it. 
yourself a glass of wine Let's start reading in between the lines Never know what we might find Yeah, it could be magic Oh Prose Tinted Glasses is hosted by Bailey Utrecht and me, Katie Phillips Our theme song is by Anna Voss And our logo is by Baby Truth Collection We hope you enjoyed our first episode back after a while uh, If you're wondering when the next episode is going to come out So are we Who knows, not us But we hope to hang out with you again soon Bye. Possibly. And then also there there was a lot of, um, like, the main relationship was not queer, but there was a lot of just, like, casual. There was a lot of just, like, oh, my God, Bruce. There was a lot of just, like, casual queer. There was a lot of just casual queer representation. Oh my god, Bruce! Go lay down! You're being homophobic! He's glaring at me. He's being homophobic. During Pride Month, Bruce! During Pride Month, Bruce!